Hello, I'm Steve, the retired criminal investigator with the Air Force Office of Special Investigations, the Federal Law Enforcement Agency of the United States Air Force. I'm Hannah, the amateur true crime enthusiast. I've been fascinated with my dad's job, and I love starting conversations with him to learn more. Join us each week as we share these conversations with you and discuss a real criminal case that piques our interest. Hello. Welcome back, archivists. Hello. How are you? <laughs> there you go. Uh, uh, since, that's a fair question. Since, what, a, could, since we just got back from the store, you and me? or um, Yeah. <laughs> it could really be for everyone listening. How are you? I know. That's, that's, that's fair. I just laugh. It makes me laugh. Yeah, at this point, I just say it to annoy him. Okay. <laughs> so... Today, we are uh, back with another military case. So still kind of in your lane mm-hmm. okay, a little cool. bit. And in the 90s, our story takes place in 1992. Today, so we're talking about actually a pretty... Had you heard of uh, this case before? I don't think so. Okay, well, it's quoted as being like a well-known case and he's kind of like the martyr for... Um, oh, this is the guy that... Um he was the homosexual that that two navy guys murdered, right? Yes, Alan yeah. Schindler. Is yeah, who no, we're this is pretty about. was pretty popular. Well, well known. I would say well known. Yeah, the ca- yeah, pop- well known. Okay, well known. Popular is a weird word. Yeah, for murders, I guess. Yeah. I get what you're saying. So in 1992, so let's talk about why for a second. In 1992, in the military, it was illegal, right? Is that the term? Yes. Or just not allowed? Illegal to be in the oh, military. Oh, ninety five. 1992. 92. This is before. This is right before. Right, but this is right before Don't Ask, Don't Tell. Yes. So Bill Clinton is so running for president. Y- yeah, so he's not president yet, and he wanted to uh, do away with it. Uh, he, he wanted, wanted to, to make allow, it legal. Yeah, he wanted allow to make, it, yeah. He wanted to allow, uh, he wanted everybody to serve. No matter your sexual orientation. Right. However, as you all may know, as everyone knows, that's not what happened. Uh, he ended up con- having to compromise, and, and they came up with "Don't Ask, Don't, don't, don't tell, tell," yeah, which is a disaster, and that was just repealed. Mm-hmm. Uh, what? How many years ago? Six, eight, ten years? Ten years? Two thousand fifteen? Fifteen or eleven? Uh, somewhere in between there, but it's nevertheless, like nevertheless, it's not an issue anymore, right? So, mm-hmm. I feel like even two thousand eleven is still even closer to like we were in okinawa and i th- w- really it still was a thing and when we were in okinawa that's surprising like it feels well, like it should have so actually you're right gone away a long time you, like even so here's that. a good point i remember because when we were investigating um stuff so you're right it there was an executive order and then there was a halt on it and we didn't have the military the services didn't know how to deal with it right and they're like hold on that. hold on right so because at, at that point we started getting um sex assault cases you know mail on mail so so we had to figure all that out how to deal with that uh so it was you're right it was probably around 12 13 somewhere in there um so yes 2011 september okay, 20th yeah. 2011 it was in yeah. in effect from february 28th 94 until september but it, it, 2011 but that still seems so here's what like happens in the military right they say okay new law they don't arbitrarily institute something they say right. This one specifically was for the military, so they they said stand by for guidance mm-hmm. how how to roll this out, how to unveil this or not unveil, but like how to roll this out, right? You know, there was a lot of things, and, and that's what had happened. So it was on, off, on. Oh, is it illegal? Is it illegal? It was really confusing for a while, but yeah. nevertheless, it's it's. I um, remember it like constantly being in the mm-hmm, news or constantly mm-hmm. being talked about. Like I remember yep. it being a thing, but yep. so now it's not a it, it's. Not a thing. Issue. Yeah. Yeah. They allow everyone to serve. Yes, they do. Well, you know. If you meet the requirements. Yeah. Of, I mean. That, to serve in the military, there are requirements. That's a good point. Like, I think the military is really diverse and they do allow everybody. But unfortunately, mm-hmm. not everybody can serve. Right. Right. Yeah. You can't be blind. I, yeah. And, you know, and so you can't be in a wheelchair necessarily. Mm-hmm. So, unfortunately, there are some physical limitations. Yeah. Uh, but. But. The. The Your Air Force in general, they'll hire those people as civilians, you know what I mean? But oh, yeah, 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 To be on active duty. Yes. So. Okay. Okay, so that's a little bit of what's going uh, on. That's a, that's a side note that we got off on a tangent about. Uh, yeah, but it's uh, it's relevant. It is no, talked about. No, it is, because this case is, is huge at this point. 
Yeah. Specifically, his official title, let me give you his official title, is Radio Man, Radio Man Petty Officer Third Class Alan R. Schindler is who we're talking mm-hmm. about. 1992 again, right, you said? Yes. Okay. So he was born December 13th, 1969 in Chicago Heights, which is Cook County, Illinois. Um, so he's 22 years old at the time in 1992, which is so, like, I feel like I'm still 22. So I always want to say, like, that's my age. It's Mm. Not, but that's so young, mm-hmm. really. Yeah, it is. Uh, his stepfather and his grandfather were both in the Navy. So really, he was around these you veterans. He was around veterans. Yeah. He wanted to also join. In 1988, Alan graduated high school, and that's when he goes to boot camp in San Diego. That's why I said, remember last week I said I thought you joined in 88 for some reason? I yeah, thought it no. was the same year when I was doing this. No, I was like, oh, so that's the same year. Because that's when I was 22. In 88? Yeah. Oh. Maybe that's what you're thinking. Maybe. So he joined? Did he enlist? Yeah. So he'd already been in four years. Oh, assuming he went in right out of high school. No, he's younger than you. He was born in 69. No, no. So he went in right out of high school in 88. Right. Forget about me. What I'm saying is he was 22 years old at the time. In 1992. Right. Yes. So he'd already been in the Navy for four years. In 1992. Yes. Right. Yes. <laughs> I was. I thought you were talking about yes. in 88. No. Because I'm, I'm still going over the back history. Okay. So he ends up going to Hawaii and Australia. He travels a lot. In January of 1991, okay, so now we're a year before, he is assigned to the USS Midway, which is a huge thing. He's really excited. What's going on um, in 91? Gulf War. Yes. So he's really excited about it. This is uh, when, oh, 91 is when it started. That's what I have next. It's when, yeah. uh, who is it, George Bush Sr. declared war on the thing I read said Iraq. I didn't realize it yeah, was Iraq. Yeah, it was Iraq. Iraq. Saddam Hussein, yep. I didn't realize that. He he went and tried to annex Kuwait. Mm. So, Alan gets a new journal when he gets assigned to the USS Midway because he's so excited. So, he wants to document everything and write down everything that's happening. And he's really, really proud and excited to be on this ship. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he gets a tattoo of it on his arm. And that's important to the story. So he spends 11 months on the Midway, and then in December of 1991, uh, the Midway is decommissioned. So he is transferred to the USS Bellawood, um, mm-hmm. which happens to have a bad reputation for having a wild crew who would get into fights. Mm-hmm. They're known for not being very nice, friendly. It's just they run wild mm-hmm. on the ship, essentially. There's 950 men on the Bellawood. It's also... So we know from his journal he was not having a good time on the Bellawood at all. Mm-hmm. There, you know, he was getting harassed there. At, again, this is the time when people are not allowed to be gay in the military. So if even on the ships, if someone even thought that someone was, they would, you mm-hmm. know, harass and attack them. So September twenty third, nineteen ninety two, Alan requested to see the captain, but his request gets denied. Okay, now this story um, is coming from his mom who read his radio, or sorry, his journal, mm-hmm. okay? So he sent out a tr- radio transmission because he's mm-hmm. frustrated and upset that he can't get in to see the captain. Um, so he sends out a radio tr- transmission because he was a radio man. And it ends up going out to, like, everyone, right? And it's, what it is is 2QT2BSTR8, which spells out in i guess like the radio world too cute to be straight mm-hmm. is what it says so obviously and that's he's acknowledging his sexuality obviously he gets in trouble for this and is called to what they refer to as a captain's mast mm-hmm. uh he requested it to be closed but apparently they can deny that and allow it to be open and allow everyone on the ship to be present for that mm-hmm. i don't know anyone in the navy so i've never heard that yeah, wild for like a disciplinary thing. There was I like two to three hundred people that were present for this. And it, like his sexuality was talked about openly during this mm-hmm. disciplinary. So now everyone on the ship knows about his sexuality. So the very next day, September 24th, he requested to be discharged because of his sexuality. So he requested to be separated from mm-hmm. the Navy. I didn't know you could do that either. 
I guess at the time it makes sense if it's illegal to be. Yeah, it's not. They're like giving him an out. It's not quite that easy. It's not going to go that easy because it could be, it could be false enlistment too. So they might say you lied on your application. Oh. Yeah. Interesting. That doesn't seem like that was the case. It seemed so they were going to let him get out. They were going to give him a discharge. What they weren't going to do was take him off the ship. Because apparently he also asked to be removed from the ship before this because he didn't feel safe. He was being harassed, mm-hmm. but they weren't going to take him off the ship. So they were going to make him stay. But he was he had plans to get to to get out. And his he even told his mom that he was going to be home by Christmas. So mm-hmm. it seems like they were going to let him be discharged. Mm-hmm. Now, five days before his murder, he there. So there the ship is in Sasebo, Japan. Sasebo. Sasebo, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Everywhere else I saw it said Sasebo. That's why I said it that yeah, way. Yeah, <laughs> Sasebo. Okay. Same thing. So the ship is there to like get ready to go mm-hmm. off to the Philippines. They had like this little area called Sailor Town, mm-hmm. which is very similar to like Gate 2 Street in Okinawa. Yeah. Yep. So it's just like a little street for people in the military with like mm. bars, karaoke. It's like yeah. a hangout area yeah, off base, yeah. specifically catered to people. Where's is that in in Sasebo? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's over by like where it's just mm. off. That's where off their the town. port is, right? Yeah, where, where the they ship can is like dock. Yeah. hang out. He made some friends with uh, three gay entertainers. They were from Southern California, and they were all working there for a few months. Mm-hmm. These friends are going to be important to remember later. That's why I'm mentioning them them now. Mm -hmm. Uh, And they talk about a lot about like the hate that was going on towards him. So I'll come back to that. Mm -hmm. So October 27th, 1992 still. At this point, he's been on the ship for 10 months. So earlier in the day, he calls his mom and this is when he tells her that he's getting out of the Navy and he's going to be home from Christmas He for Christmas. Mm-hmm. He doesn't tell her why. OK, so she makes a comment that she did think it was weird that he was getting out yeah. before his contract was over, but she doesn't say anything. She's excited. Jonathan Witt, who was a he was a part of the supply division on the ship. He is walking down in that area of sailor town and he is like going back to the ship and it's at Mm -hmm. nighttime now and he goes to use one of the public bathrooms and this is you remember how the bathrooms were in japan with the the glass the way they had them off base so the the public bathrooms they had i vividly remember this the public bathrooms it's like the wall and then you walk around the wall and that's where you go into each side of the men or the women's bathroom but then they have like a window looking in, but they're glass blocks mm-hmm. and they're, they're not quite glass. Like they're not quite yeah, see through. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is the type of bathroom it was. Yeah. So he could like, he could hear noises and he could kind of see something going on. He thought it was like a couple in the bathroom hooking up or something. Mm-hmm. But as he gets closer, he can see that there is someone like jumping up and down. There's a couple people and there's something on the ground. And again, like these glass blocks, you can't really glass yeah. blocks. You can't really see through. Mm-hmm. So he is trying to get closer and see what it is. And he notices there's a person. Uh, so he runs to get some some help because he sees this is a person being attacked. Oh, being beat up. Yeah. Yes. And by the time they get back, he gets back with some some help. There are some security guards. Uh, they go inside and the other two people are gone. And there's just a person on the ground that mm-hmm. they he hasn't identified yet. He, now, he said that he could hear this person literally gurgling blood is mm-hmm. what it sounded like he was saying. So he th- this is our witness. Eventually, so they're trying to do CPR. They're trying to revive yeah. him, but it's just not. It mm-hmm. was horribly brutal. Um, so he looks down and he notices the USS Midway tattoo. And that's how he's able to identify the person that is on the ground as Alan Schindler. So he knew the person. Yes. He he goes, oh, that's my shipmate. I He's okay. on my ship. So he recognized him because of the tattoo. Because mm-hmm. at this point, the beating was so bad, he could not recognize mm. the person at all. Who is, do you know who, what NIS is? That's um, Naval Investigative Service. They used to be, it's NCIS. Oh, okay. They, they so changed after same that. Thing. Yeah, they changed after the tailhook in the 90s. Yeah. They kept saying NIS, and I'm like, I've never heard. Yeah. I have no idea what that Naval is. Naval Investigative Service. Now it's Naval oh. Criminal Investigative Service. Oh, well, yeah. just added a letter. So just say NCIS, yeah. Oh, okay. So they interrogate him, uh, and he's covered in blood because he, he was trying to help the security officer 
mm-hmm. save, resuscitate, revive. I'm trying to think of the word. Um, so he's covered in Alan's blood. So wait, NCIS is there now? What? Yeah. Okay. They show up. He go- well, he goes to them. Okay. They- everyone shows up. The Japanese police show up. Okay. And they're getting him. Yeah. The okay. security. So he goes to them to talk to them. Okay. And he tells them the story. Now, at first, it's very clear to him, like, they think he's a suspect, obviously. Right? That's mm-hmm. where you would think. Because he has his blood. Well, he was the last one to see him yeah. alive, potentially. So, mm-hmm. I mean, he he says he's a witness to the beating, but they they can't rule out. Like, how do you know? How are you here? How did you witness this? Yeah. So from there, he gets sent back to the ship. Uh, and he has to go talk to the executive officer that they, they call it XO. XO. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he listens to Jonathan tell the same story. And as... He's they're talking. Jonathan can tell, oh, they already know who did like they know that this wasn't me. He says that it was clear that he was no not really as he was was not a suspect and they believed him. And they the XO tells him that he is not to tell anyone what he saw, not his friends, family can't talk to the media. They tell him that they don't want what happened to Alan to happen to him. So Jonathan kind of gets the idea that like, oh, they know who what happened or who did this, and they're on the ship with us. Uh, because the ship still has to leave, like, the next day. Mm-hmm. So the ship still leaves, which I thought that was wild. I figured maybe the ship would not be leaving. But I guess still have to do their job. Um, so he has to go. He goes and cleans out Alan's locker and puts everything in a, a plastic bag for his mom. That's what the EXO has him do. And he's just stuck on the ship. Now... Alan's body is going to get sent to Okinawa for the autopsy. Oh, the autopsy, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's where the medical examiner was for that area, I think. I was going to say, why why Okinawa? Why not? Uh, the medical examiner is there. They don't have one? Uh, for some reason, yeah. Huh. So we never had to go far for our medical examiner. It was always right there. Oh, not, so not every part, not every base has one? No, it's like a regional thing, so. Oh, that's interesting. Okay, so... This autopsy takes six hours. Now, this is here's everything that happened. Okay, so he had four fatal injuries to the head, chest and abdomen, eight broken ribs, fractures in the back of the skull and bones around his eyes. His nose was broken. His upper jaw was broken. The whole middle portion of his face was detached. Bruises and cuts on his neck, head and chest. He had bruises on his brain, lungs and heart. The pericardial sac around his heart was filled with 250 milliliters of blood. Oh, geez. His liver was severely damaged. He had a torn aorta from the blows he received to the chest. His bladder had been ripped open. There were sneaker tread marks on his forehead and chest. Um, so Commander Edward Kilbane was the one who performed the medical examiner, the forensic pathologist. And he would go on to testify in the in the trial that we'll talk about that Alan's injuries were worse than someone who had been stomped on by a horse and similar to a high-speed car crash or low-speed aircraft accident. Wow. And that the only way they were able to identify him was by a tattoo. Wow. So, I mean, pretty, pretty brutal. Um, and I couldn't find a whole lot on the crime scene, but... He also said that the in the because it was in a bathroom, the toilet like they they bashed his head into the toilet so hard that the porcelain toilet toilet broke. Yeah, I remember. So I remember that. Mm -hmm. I remember that. Yeah. So our crime scene, they they were he was they were there. So what were you going to say? No, no, that like you have to hit somebody pretty hard like maybe they went down they fell down with them onto that i mean For that's pretty a porcelain hard toilet yeah. yeah the crime scene isn't really talked about a whole lot they obviously took pictures the japanese police are the ones that took all the pictures mm-hmm. yeah it's because it's off base yeah the ones that i was able to see um but it was i mean it was all there so another witness is keith sims and he's gonna place our murderer as the one doing it, he says that. Who's saying this? This is another witness. A witness comes forward. Uh, uh, oh, witness. Uh, 
Yeah, remember Jonathan Witt was the first yeah, witness was the who first came one there. forward. Yeah. So did There's somebody else an... see somebody coming out or something? There's another witness who is going to say that uh, the murderer told him that he did it. Because so now we're talking about after the murder and what the Navy does and, and who because the people who did it get, got arrested like immediately. Mm-hmm. So there's not really like a huge investigation into it. I'm trying to get. Okay. So it's Navy Airman Apprentice Terry Helvey. Okay. What is what's Navy Airman Apprentice? He's in a. So they're, they're telling you, they're spelling out the whole rank and everything. Like, that's also what level of like training. He was an apprentice. He wasn't a full certified, whatever his. His job is. This is just how the Navy does it. They classify oh. you, you know, the Air Force didn't do that. Yeah. He just said apprentice, so probably a junior person, you know. Oh, yeah. I mean, he was pretty young at the time. Apparently, so our witness says that he saw Terry Helvey and another man by the name Charles Vins leaving the public toilet. So he was there. He was he was out in Sailor Town by that bathroom. And he said that it looked like they were trying to escape covered in blood. Um, and that they were trying to sneak back onto base and they were able to sneak back onto base. And apparently an MP stopped these two, but let them go because they didn't match the suspect descriptions from okay. the other witness. Did they? Which I thought was weird because like, aren't they still covered in blood? Yeah. Was it dark? Okay. So the MP stopped this guy. Who's covered He's... in blood now? The first guy was had some blood. No, he didn't go in all the way. Terry Helvey. Yeah, so Keith Sims is our witness who says that he saw Terry Helvey and Charles Vins yeah, escaping. He, escaping, leave. Yeah. Covered in blood. Covered is in what blood. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, okay. But an MP stopped them and then let them go because they didn't match the suspect descriptions. But they had blood on them? How much That's blood? what I said. I'm well, like, they, was they it must dark? Not have had I don't know. That's weird. I thought it was weird too. Um, and then 6 a.m., so literally hours later, Terry Helvey is brought to the master at arms office from his bed area on suspicion of him murdering Alan. So, again, pretty quickly, there's not really a whole investigation that goes into this. They pretty quickly know who it was. Well, they get the, the guy, witness. yeah. Yeah. And, and now, this, is this a, it's ruled a homicide, right, this, at this point? He's, yeah. The autopsy said definitely yeah. homicide. Yeah. Did they say the manner of death? Like, I mean, there's so much that went on there. They didn't really specify. Um, Four fatal injuries to head, chest, and abdomen. So blunt force trauma. Okay, all right. Was, I mean. Yeah, okay. So blunt force trauma yeah. to the head, chest, and abdomen. Okay. All right. So these guys would have blood all over them probably for sure. If they were using their fist or if they even if they're using oh an object. God. Yeah, even if they're using an object. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I mean, jo- the first witness, Jonathan, yeah. he had blood all over him. So the uh, these two had to have. Yeah, so this is, this is going to be challenging because it's happening in the Japanese jurisdiction. So mm-hmm. those friends. So this is why I think they were able to get to get to Terry Helvey so quickly is that those friends that I was telling you about the ones that were working, the entertainers mm-hmm. that were working in the sailor mm-hmm. town, they talk about how Alan was sharing with them. He was so excited about being discharged. He was receiving abuse all the time. People were throwing the F word at him. Um, as he would walk by them, he was trying to maintain a low profile, but he said that it it had just gotten around from that one, you know, captain's mask. So have we proven yet that he was actually getting out? That he was actually getting separated? That's Did they prove that? I, I don't know. All of the stuff that I've read and the show that I watched said that he was supposed to be getting discharged. So it sounds like the but captain probably was just going to get rid of him and not tell anybody. Just, you know, leave. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. It kind of seemed like he was like, listen. Because I think you could say, hey, I'm gay, and then they could just um, discharge you. Yeah. If I recall. What kind of discharge would you get back then? Yeah, would I it be know. a general? or? I don't know. That, I'm that interested depends. to know yeah. what kind they would have given him. That depends. Yeah, I don't know. And I mean, it's important to note here, too. His mom did not know of his sexuality. So I'm going to talk about it in a second. A Stars and Stripes reporter is the one that tells her. And this is when she goes to his diary. But she did not even know about his sexuality. So like when I said she didn't know why he was getting out. So these friends talk about all the hate that he was getting. This hate was documented. Like everyone on the ship knew what was happening. So I think it was pretty obvious. Terry Helvey had a 
reputation of if he thought someone was gay, he would attack them and oh, so he abuse them. Hate crime. Then he he just I mean, so now they're building a profile, and he it seems like a hate crime because he he hated yes homosexuals. But the Navy is not really going to acknowledge that this is a hate crime. Okay, they put out. I mean, obviously they tell uh, Alan's mom, but they don't tell her why. They tell Alan's mom that he got into a fight and he died because as a result of the fight. Uh, they don't tell her what happened. That's not really what happened. He got jumped. No, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, they send, when she receives his body, they told her not to open the casket. They said, do not open the casket. And huh. she did. What? Like, yeah, why? Yeah, she did. And she immediately was like, "That what? She was very confused, very upset. She didn't understand what's happening. She said that obviously was murder. She, she looking at his body yeah. said he was murdered. That was mm. not a fight. Um, so the Navy puts out that two men were arrested, but they give no explanation for the assault. They say they don't say who the two men were or nothing. So stars and stripes reporter, Rick Rogers uh, reaches out to them and he's waiting for the article 32. Do you want to explain what an article? So article 32 is in the UCMJ, the uniform code of military justice. It's the, um, the process in which a investigating officer, a judge essentially, but they call him the investigative officer you know, you go into the courtroom, they're sitting behind the bench, and then people testify. It's where you present the evidence, and then that judge determines whether they think there's enough probable cause to take it to trial. So equivalent to like a grand jury, maybe. Mm-hmm. Somewhere between a, um, a preliminary hearing and a grand jury. For the Pro- probably more like a Yeah, probably more like a grand jury. So a grand jury hears testimony in secret, and reviews evidence in secret, and they decide if, yeah, we're going to indict this person. We think there's enough here f- to go forward with a trial. So it's mm-hmm. it's equivalent to the grand jury, I guess. But this is where like details come out. Yeah, this is. Um, I testified in in, the, in those all the time, especially one for the homicide I worked. Yeah, you like you're testifying like normal. You know, I remember you had to go back. Yeah, I test. Yeah, that's right. I went back. I mm-hmm. testified. Um, this is the last thing I did. I think I testified about. The confession about recovering of evidence, that yeah. kind of stuff. Yeah, uh, we were still in TLF when you went back. Uh, Rick Rogers is waiting for the Article Thirty Two. So, uh, can, do you want to explain what Stars and Stripes is too? I'm, I realized. I oh, said Stars that. and Stripes is the uh, it's the the newspaper mm-hmm. that covers the military. I guess mm-hmm. uh, it's not it's not affiliated necessarily. Mm-hmm. I, I, it's hard to say. It's a it's a non appropriated funded situation but they're the, but the newspaper you can look it up and you get it you can order it yeah. yourself it's what they cover the military there's the website yeah, yeah the stars and stripes most military news mm, yeah the newspaper you can buy yeah. on base <laughs> yeah right so he rick rogers because obviously he works for the stars and stripes it's the military affiliated newspaper mm-hmm. he is aware what article 32 is so he's waiting yeah for that and the navy public affairs officer assures do you want to explain what that is too Public affairs? Yeah, if that's not clear. This is just, yeah, it's public affairs. Every government organization has one of these, or most do, I guess. It's the outward face to the public. Mm. You know, it's th- they're the ones that approve. What goes out. Comments, yeah, what goes out and, and what comes in, too. Like, uh, you know, they'll they'll do public events. Um, they'll organize, you know, when you have celebrities that come and travel and stuff and do things for the military. Oh, yeah. But they, you know, public statements will be released through them. Now, sometimes the big generals and whatnot will talk, but that'll all be coordinated through public affairs. But that's it, basically, yeah. Okay. They deal with all the reporters requesting information. Right. You know, that kind of thing, yeah. So the Navy public affairs officer assures Rick Rogers that they'll keep him in the loop about the Article 32. Uh, But that never happens. Mm -hmm. He never hears anything. He calls and calls and calls, and eventually they stop answering his calls. Uh, so he's mm-hmm. pretty upset. And he, at this point now, he feels like they are purposely trying to uh-huh. cover up whatever is happening. Yeah, withhold information for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, also like a little side note, why this is important. Alan Schindler was higher ranking than Terry Helvey. So he was essentially his boss, like not really his boss, but like he could, Yeah. maybe you can explain it better. He, he was you just higher ranking. Him. Yeah, right. Higher ranking. You could ranking. tell him what yeah. to do, right? Yeah, essentially. Okay. 
those friends that I mentioned that Alan had made in Sailor Town, they write, they they are noticing that the Navy is not saying anything. No uh-huh. one is acknowledging what this was. Mm-hmm. And so they know this was a hate crime. They said, no, these people treated him terribly. He didn't even feel safe. He wanted to be off the ship. He absolutely was the victim of a hate crime. So they write to all of the newspapers mm-hmm. and they write one of the newspapers they write to is Stars and Stripes. And so Rick Rogers gets a letter and they they tell him that Alan identified and lived as a gay man. Mm-hmm. And they are mad that the Navy is saying that the de- his death was the result of a disagreement turned into a fight. So he reaches out to Alan's mom. And this is when she's like, I, th- that's not true. I don't know that my son is gay. And this is when she goes to his, his journal. journal. Yeah. And she can read it all there. He was mm-hmm. writing everything down and he was talking. He was documenting all of the abuse that he was receiving. So... Rick Rogers writes an article about this Mm -hmm. and he writes an article about Alan being gay and about this being a hate crime and the Navy trying to cover it up. So February 9th, 1993, uh, Terry Helvey is arraigned in Yokosuka, Yokosuka, Japan for premeditated murder of Alan Schindler, which carries a maximum penalty of death. So it's capital for the federal, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. The other man that I mentioned earlier, remember I said there was two men, Terry Helvey and Charles Vins. Mm-hmm. So Charles Vins gets released by the time that Terry Helvey is going to go to prison. He's already out. The Navy gave Charles Vins what they call the sweetheart deal. What is that? Do you know what that is? That, it's just slang. I mean, that, oh. uh, he got a sweetheart deal. He he must have cooperated, right? He cooperated and testified against the other guy, so they probably... Got him off scot free with his bad conduct discharge, and that's it. He got away with murder. Yeah, I one thing I read said he got a uh, honorable discharge, and then another thing I read said he got a general. I don't understand how they wouldn't not have given him a bad conduct discharge. Yeah, I never read anything about a dishonorable or bad conduct. I just either one said general. So did he one not go, get tried? Did they give him immunity? No, they yeah they gave him. Um, he got he served seventy eight days is what he got. Okay, so he was convicted. Yes, of um, not reporting the crime is what he was convicted of. So he testified against Terry Helvey, and that was his deal, that he would testify against him. Yeah, so he got a sweetheart deal, but the the military wasn't about to allow him to go free, so they convicted him of something. 78 days. I I don't know why he wouldn't have got a bad conduct discharge. I don't either. That definitely would have been a sweetheart deal. Yeah. By April 1993, this is when the trial and the, uh, uh, is going to happen. Terry Helvey uh, takes a plea deal to take the death penalty off the table. Now, that's the cool thing about when we had homicide cases. Um, you could always, you know, if you needed to negotiate to get some more information. I mean, well, just so what? You're gonna go to jail for life, but we just took the death penalty off. You know? Yeah. It's kind of threatening. Huh? It's kind of threatening. Well, shouldn't have killed someone. We're not going to talk about the death penalty. <laughs> <laughs> I shouldn't have killed someone. We're not going to talk about the death penalty. Should uh, not have killed someone. So anyway, Charles Vins, I would like to, uh, it's important to note, uh, they the Navy did not consult with Alan's mom on his deal. She did not find out about Charles Vins or even like any of this until the arraignment like until at well after Charles Vince has already like gone and served his time. Okay. Mm-hmm. So when they get to Terry Helvey and his plea, they do consult with Alan's mom and she agrees to let them take the death penalty off the table. She actually said that she felt that she would be hurting his mom as much as she was hurting. Yeah. Which I thought that was. Yeah, that's nice. Nice. Yeah. For, she didn't have to do that. But they, probably told her how they're still going to go convict them and how they're going to try them for murder and and mm-hmm. it's going to carry life without parole probably hopefully we'll yeah. get there in a minute yeah. uh so helvey pleads guilty to a lesser charge of murder with intent of bodily harm what oh murder say that one time murder murder with intent of bodily harm yeah okay so That's murder. i guess like yeah I, it kind of so sounded like it's it like, kind of sounded like he didn't mean to kill him, but he intended like to hurt him. Murder because yeah. you, you um, like manslaughter, but intent no. to harm. 
no, but like you, he intended, you, you intended to hurt, to hurt him, hurt but him. didn't intend to kill him, is what it sounded like. Okay, so like second degree murder, then maybe I think which, yeah. whichever one. I thought manslaughter was the accidental no, murder. Yeah, manslaughter is you were doing something and then it got out of hand. Oh, and then it led and to a then death. And it led to the death, right? A part of his plea, though, is that he has to like completely come clean about the truth. Because in the original, like his original statement, there was some things that were false. So a part of his plea was he had to write a second statement. And tell the full truth of what happened. Yeah, see, so that's the that's the deal. That's like why people, I, I think people get upset with um, plea deals and stuff, right? Mm -hmm. But he's still going to be tried for murder, but they're going to get the whole, they're going to get the truth. Because, you know, the parents mm -hmm. need the truth, and they need to know what's going on here. They need the, the truth. Yeah. You know, that's justice. Justice, you need to get the truth. I agree, but I don't know that I always believe everything still because they can still lie. Well, you know? it's going to add up like his story should add up to the evidence and the, what the witnesses say. It should all add up. Yeah. You know, the, him yeah, I kicked Charles him in this, in the, in the chest with my foot five times. Oh, okay. That's what the autopsy says. You know, that yeah. kind of thing. That makes sense. It's really awful. They say that is. this was, I, I was like, when you explained that to me, I was like, wow, I never felt like this way doing the podcast, but I, I feel bad for this guy, you know? Yeah. It's awful. Yeah. Terrible. Uh, so they say that on October 27, 1992, they had been out in the park where the bathroom was. They had been drinking and they saw Alan go into the bathroom. This is the second guy. That This is the Terry guy. Terry Helvey and Charles Vin. This is both what they say. But Terry Helvey, this is mostly his statement of what he says. Who's the guy that, that got off? Squatch Charles Vince. Vince. Okay. All mm -hmm. right. But this is Helvey. Okay. Because so, they already have the other guy's statement saying this happened. Yeah. They have the other two There's witnesses. Already, okay. Yep. All right. And they'll know if he lies, so, okay. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty brutally honest because he says what he's... Well, also, keep in mind, when they tell him, we'll give you this deal, but part of the deal is you have to tell us the truth, right? Mm -hmm. That opens the door for the prosecutor to change their mind if they believe that he's not telling the truth. Oh, yeah. that's smart, too. Yeah. So, they'd been drinking. They see Alan go into the bathroom. They follow him. Helvey says, let's go F with him. Mm -hmm. uh, Helvey throws the first punch in the nose, in Alan's nose, and Alan falls. Vin says that he kicks Alan's head, and Helvey tells him to back off because he wants to be the one to do the beating. Mm -hmm. Vin says he couldn't watch and walks away. I'm like, okay, how about you stop your idiot friend mm -hmm. then? Yeah. Helvey in his statement says, now, okay, I'm going to be quoting what he says from his statement, okay? He said, I believe homosexuality is disgusting, sick, and scary. He goes on to say, I want to add that I felt threatened with him standing beside me. He moved toward me, facing me with a smile, and said, hi, I'm afraid of, then there was a blurred out word, and I was scared. I felt boxed in, and I reacted, and I then lost control. The whole incident maybe could not have lasted more than a minute. That quote was in his handwriting. That was mm -hmm. his written mm -hmm. handwriting that I read. In the typed up version, he also says, I would not, however, go out and look for homosexuals to beat. I regret this incident happened, and I feel like it could have been avoided had homosexuals not been allowed in the military. I wish I could, dot, dot, dot. I couldn't read what that said. But I know that I cannot, and I hope situations like this, dot, 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 could be avoided in the future. No accountability. Yeah, I, I don't understand how they allow him to get away. Like, he, his intent was to to mm -hmm. kill this guy. Like, I don't understand it. He he deserves the death penalty. I mean, this is this is uh, like his intent. He hated homosexuals. What's interesting about what he said was he listed it out and he said, "and it's scary." It's scary. That right? was his defense. Was right? that Alan was coming but on to him? That's probably the most. No, he thinks he thinks. All, this was a misnomer, right? Yeah. He, most people think or thought or felt that, you know, men taking showers together or being in a foxhole mm -hmm. together or something, that eventually the homosexual is going to come on to a straight man. That's just not the case, right? Mm -hmm. But that's probably the most truthful thing he said, really, right? It's scary. Well, okay, it was scary to you, but you chose 
to go beat this guy into submission and kill him. After he already admitted to following Alan into the bathroom. Yeah, there's so no that, way this like, is how not do, how intentional. Does that you could have left. This, you didn't have to go in there. This passes the intent to kill. This passes yeah. the, the murder, the homicide all day long. It was pure hate. Uh, it, Hatred. It, right. It passes that. Like So So they both got a deal, if you ask me. Um, okay. Yeah. Oh, I'll talk about. Pre- he was in the right. news last year. I'll talk about it. Okay. Go ahead. Uh, so May 27th, 93, he tries to give an apology sentence. This is at his sentencing. He tries to give an apology statement. He couldn't finish it. He's crying. Uh-huh. Crocodile tears. He apologizes for disgracing the Navy and his ship. Which, so I, he really, all he cared about Never was, apologized to the parents? He did apologize to the mo- uh, Alan's mom. Yeah. He tried to, at least. I, I think that's what he couldn't mm-hmm. get through. So but are they, hold on, are they getting tried separately, these two? Oh, yeah. I mean, at this point, Charles has already served his 78 days and is out. He's already out. Yeah. Charles has already been out and released. So they let him out. Man, that's okay. So he confessed and gave him the story. They're still investigating at that time, though. Well, I'll talk about kind of the investigation in a second. Okay, go ahead. Okay, so uh, now he so he gets sentenced to life in prison, gets a dishonorable discharge. It's the least they could do. Navy, the Navy refuses to release the full report. I don't of the know why that would have been a bad conduct discharge. We need to look. Is that a dishonorable up. not the same? No. Oh, what's the difference? I what everything I read said yeah. dishonorable. I didn't see yeah, bad. Bad conduct. conduct means like you've committed a crime and you didn't hold up. Dishonorable. Yeah, there's a difference. I'll we'll have to talk about that in another uh, uh, episode. <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah. I mean. Either way, though, he's in prison for his life, so it doesn't really yeah. affect him. Yeah. I know that dishonorable discharges affect people who are living in the civilian world. So the Navy is refusing to release the full report of their investigation, and a lot of people are screaming that this is a cover-up. Okay, hold on. Why was it a cover So he got, because the he Navy, got convicted, and he's going to... Yeah, but the Navy is refusing to release... The Navy is refusing to acknowledge that this was a hate crime. They still have not released anything saying that this was a hate crime. So they're not putting anything out into the public, telling the public what happened and why it happened. Michael Petrellis, he is a uh, gay rights activist. Mm -hmm. He is from San Francisco. So he's pretty. Hold on. Let me. I'm confused why they think they're covering up. Because the Navy isn't acknowledging that it was a that it happened because oh, Alan was okay, gay. Okay, They're not okay, acknowledging okay, the, okay. the hate crime. But they They're say, still saying it was a disagreement. Was, they okay, got into a fight. Right. Yeah. They don't they don't want this. They don't want yeah. They don't want this. Okay. They don't want it coming out. So Michael Petrellis is a gay rights activist. He at the time reaches out to Alan's mom and he wants to really fight for Alan's voice. Yeah. He well, wants hold to, on one second. I didn't realize this. I just had to refresh my memory. A dishonorable discharge happens after court martial and mm. it is um it's more severe than a bad conduct actually so oh yeah well, he got a dishonorable yeah so i i uh so dishonorable discharge is like a felony conviction so yeah i, I okay I, I was confused sometimes if nothing a lot of things don't go to court and you get a bad conduct i always felt bad oh. okay all right never mind go ahead continue i it i don't think it, it's not like it really affects him i didn't remember in I prison for the rest of his life yeah, right. but okay. i know that that affects people living outside yeah. in the civilian world all right so what happens Okay, so Michael Petralis, gay rights activist, mm-hmm. he is working really hard with Alan's mom yeah. to get uh, Alan becomes a martyr essentially for yeah. this, you know, the, the what the we being, know being now illegal is illegal and L- don't L- ask, don't tell, and yeah, all of that. Yeah. yeah. So Michael Petralis is fighting really hard to get the Navy to acknowledge that this was a hate crime. Hate crime yeah. Yeah, and so finally he is a, he files a Freedom of Information Act and he mm-hmm. receives nine hundred a nine hundred page. Report their yeah. their investigation is nine hundred pages. You mean the NCIS report? Yeah, yeah, okay. nine hundred pages of their investigation. Yeah. Now, I this was recently, like in two thousand fifteen, sixteen, maybe nineteen. Recently, it's no longer up online. I like went to Michael Petrellis's website mm-hmm. and clicked on it, and it it was in like a Dropbox form, and it says it's not there. I went through three different links, and I could not get a hold of it for myself, but. From his website of what it is, I have the gist, the most important parts of their investigation. Mm-hmm. So while they were doing their investigation, it kind of turned into a winch, a witch hunt of Alan's friends. What do you mean? 
his shipmates, his friends, his shipmates on the ship. So when someone would fess up and say, not fess up, but when someone would tell the investigators that they knew that Alan was gay, the investigators in turn would look into them to see if they were gay. Okay, this is, this was so the essence. it turned into a witch hunt. This was the essence of don't ask, don't tell. Yep. All right. So I and this yeah. is before. This is still remember yeah, this investigation yeah, no, is before yep. don't ask, don't tell. Yeah. This is what what would happen. Yep. Some you know. So instead of like completely having their focus on Alan's case, they saying, "Are you gay too? Yeah. You were friend with him. Yeah. Yeah. Like, how do you know he was gay? Is what they were essentially. Yeah. Uh, Terry Helvey admitted to the hostility that he showed Alan when he was arrested, interrogated the day after the murder. He said that he hated homosexuals and was disgusted by them. Them investigator Kenan Privet quoted Helvey as saying, I don't regret it. I'd do it again. He deserved it. Can you believe that? Mm. That's that's in the thing. The investigation. That was who said that? Terry Helvey said that to the investigator the day Jesus. after he when he was arrested, when he was interrogated. They used Alan's diary as evidence at trial because he was documenting all of the abuse and harassment mm-hmm. he was receiving. Um, so him filing for discharge was in their investigation. Um, and they noted how he requested for the, you know, that hearing to be closed in private. Mm-hmm. Terry Helvey lied, actually lied in his first confession. Remember, I went, I mentioned that. So part of his plea deal was that he had to correct his lies yeah, yeah. in that handwritten statement. Yeah. That's where I got those quotes from. Charles Vins, this is, was also in the in, in, uh, report. He confessed to kicking and stomping Alan once he was already down. He also admitted to a sodomy charge, but wouldn't say who. And he was not prosecuted for that because of his deal that he was given. And then this is when I, where I wrote, I found in my article that he was given a general discharge in 93. Mm -hmm. That was the gist. That was like the most important parts of the 900 page investigation. And how, when they finally acknowledged that it was a hate crime was when that was released. Mm, Okay. The Navy never really officially like acknowledged it. It happened because of this Michael Petrellis, the gay rights activist. Yeah, it was very touchy times for the military leaders, I suppose. Um, because then when Donuts Out Tell, like we as criminal investigators, we had to know all about this. So, you know, but we didn't investigate it, right? The command would investigate it. But, you know, uh, someone says I'm gay, you're, you're, you're out. They kick really? you out. Even with Don't Ask, Don't Tell? Yeah, no, that that they can't ask it, right? It was very convoluted. You, I'm gay. Okay, you're you're out Cause, because you can't. Okay, you, we're discharging you, and that was it. That's wild. And, and right, it, right, don't tell. So the don't tell was you don't have to tell anybody. You can keep it a secret. Right. Right? How Which do you live like Psychologically, that? yeah. yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, that's stupid. And then you can't ask anybody about it, right? So, well, if if the gay, if you say you if someone says, "Hey, I'm gay. I want to get out." Well, what do you mean you're gay? Oh, I had sex with this guy. Well, who's that? Let me go talk. You know, it just it was just yeah. a mess. It was just a mess. So anyway, so it was a mess for years, and everybody just kind of turned their head and ignored stuff. So that's awful. Yeah. Uh, Ter- Terry Helvey, he uh, applies for parole every two years as he's allowed. Yeah. Apparently. Yeah. I if the federal government still has the death penalty, why do they allow that? That's weird. Uh, last well, year, you you can it's like good conduct and all that kind of stuff. You <laughs> you can yeah. Ugh. Last year on February seventeenth, one of the parole board members issued a recommendation for his release. Can't, like that makes no sense to me. Twenty twenty three, twenty twenty two. This man. Hated, but he still hates him, doesn't he? I I don't know. Apparently, he's changed, is what he's saying. Mm. But my thing is, is 2023 compared to 1993, I'm. He would, I think that'd be a terrible idea. I don't even know how to form a sentence. It would be a terrible idea for him to be released mm. because it's obviously it's more. It's n- it's more normal than it was in 90, 1993, right? right it's right. more accepted now mm-hmm. to just live and be who you are. I don't think that man, it would be smart for that man to be released at all. So is he getting released? No. So they did deny uh, on March 7th, a four to one vote. He was denied parole. Now, the reasoning being that they found that one of the criteria to deny parole, uh, it was 18 USC section 420 
6D applied to his case, which referred to federal law that sets the criteria for the parole eligibility. Mm-hmm. Part of that being that prisoners serving more than 45 years, including a life sentence, only become eligible after serving 30 years. And last year was year 29 for him, mm-hmm. which I'm like, just, just deny. I don't understand that. It also says, provided, however, that the commission shall not release such prisoner if it determines that he has seriously or frequently violated institution rules and regulations or that there is a possible reasonable probability that he will commit any federal, state or local crime. Now, they're not saying which one of the two is the Mm -hmm. exact reason. That's just like the whole section. Yeah. But I'm like, I think he would reoffend. He literally said, I would do it again. Those were his words. He was quoted as saying. Right. Well, how come his parole board guy said. I don't know. Uh, you know, so yeah. He needs but, a new job. But guess what? Nobody nobody agreed. He's still in jail. I know, but like it, yeah. it is frustrating. I feel like for the family, they have to deal with this every two years when he is when mm-hmm. he applies for parole, they have mm-hmm. to deal with so last year when um he was given one recommendation, Alan's mom actually reached out him uh her and Michael Petrellis, they reached out to all of the LGBTQ uh community like all of the mm-hmm. the major lead leader heads heads of what's the word I'm trying to say? Leaders in the, that community yeah. and from the whole community to write letters to the parole board. Um, and say no? To, to, yeah, to request that they deny him. <laughs> they should so. all write a letter say, go ahead, let him out. <laughs> let him out. Bring him out here. We'll take care of him. Oh, my God. We'll welcome him with open, open arms. That's sarcasm. I hope. I, let's be a little <laughs> more specific, please, <laughs> for people that don't understand sarcasm, because I don't usually. <laughs> that was sarcasm. As in, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. So he's still in jail then. Yes. Hopefully he continues to stay there. Okay. But yeah, he is still in prison. So. All right. It's really sad. It's a really sad one. It's a sad one that he felt so isolated and couldn't leave the ship and everything, you know? Yeah. It's awful that they weren't, they couldn't let him get off the ship Mm. while he waited for his discharge. Yeah. All right. Good. Yep. So that is it for today a really sad one yeah you guys can follow us on instagram at true crime archives podcast and we're on twitter at tc archives pod and we will be back next week later bye